From understanding a global economic crisis to crunching the numbers at the grocery till, she makes it easy and helps keep more money in your wallet. This is For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Haq. Welcome to this week's episode for What It's Worth. I'm Rubina Ahmed Huck. And did you watch the Bank of Canada announcement with sort of your biting your teeth, gritting, biting your nails, gritting your teeth? Because a lot of homeowners were worried that the Bank of Canada would raise rates again. Uh, already they have raised them collectively 425 basis points since last year, but they held rates at their last announcement. And that is a little bit of reprieve for anyone who has a variable rate mortgage, has borrowed money out of their home equity line of credit. It's not going to get more expensive. And what that does indicate is that the Bank of Canada is happy with how the economy is reacting to those interest rate hikes that they, that they did at the beginning of 2022, some of them quite aggressive, some one percentage points hikes, if you remember back in the summer, uh, that really has changed uh, people's payments very dramatically. There are many mortgage holders that say that their uh, payments have doubled since last year. So a lot more money going towards servicing your debt and a lot less money left to do other things like save for retirement, pay other debt down, uh, go on a vacation. Many people having to make pretty big uh, financial sacrifices because their mortgage is costing them that much more. But this week, the Bank of Canada did hold rates at 4.5% overnight. That means the big banks are not going to raise their prime rate, which would make money more expensive for Canadians, anyone who's borrowed uh, from from any, any kind of loan that is attached to the floating rate. And that's good news. Uh, now we're looking ahead to 2023 to see what they're going to do. There is some indication that if in, uh, inflation continues to come down, which it has been, 5.9% uh, was the latest numbers for, for the month of January. Uh, if that number continues to come down, that we may actually see an interest rate cut at the end of this year. So that's something to consider before you fix your mortgage, because a lot of people are in this dilemma where should I fix my mortgage rate? Because could mortgage rates go even higher? And you should speak to your financial advisor. You should definitely speak to a mortgage broker, speak to your bank about the options you have available to you if you're worried about your ability to pay your mortgage. But also look at what economists are saying when it comes to interest rates at the end of 2023 and into 2024. Because if they can get inflation back to 2% or close to 2%, they may then cut interest rates in order to keep the economy um, going to continue to stimulate the economy because the economy has slowed down has slowed down quite dramatically because of those interest rate hikes. Um, even though people are still working, we haven't seen job cuts. Uh, they have stopped spending on major items because uh, money is more expensive, and that's exactly what the Bank of Canada wanted us to do: was to stop spending on everyday items so that they could come down in price. One item that, as we all know, has not come down is groceries. And uh, but that is one uh, that is one of the things that they look at. They also look at household goods. They look at travel. They look at gasoline. They look at a basket of goods. Uh, Stats Can does when they uh, get those inflation numbers. And so when they're coming down, the Bank of Canada sees that interest rate hikes are working. 
The other thing uh, that we are learning about is credit card debt soared in the last quarter of 2022. Credit card debt was up uh, in the last three months by 15% compared to the same time. So the same three months in 2021. So that would be uh, October, November, December of 2021. We are carrying 15% more debt year over year. And credit card debt, as we all know, is one of the most expensive ways to fund our lives. The interest rates are up more than 20, 20, one twenty-two percent. If you have a store credit card, those rates can be twenty-nine percent. So if you carry debt on your credit card, it is a very expensive uh, debt payment that you uh, that you are getting yourself into. And now companies, most of us are aware of this, um, have to very clearly on the side of the statement show if you only made minimum payments, how long it would take for you to pay it off, and even a small. Uh, more a uh, credit card payment of a thousand dollars would take many years and many many more thousands of dollars in interest in order to get that paid off. So if you are carrying credit card debt and you're struggling to pay that bill down, there are some options. You can definitely um, look at where you may be uh, if you're making bigger monthly mortgage payments. Maybe you can. Uh, bring those down and use that money to pay your credit card off. You can consolidate your debt into a lower interest rate product that's going to help you pay your credit card down. If you do that, you really should not use your credit card until you've paid that debt off that you borrowed in order to pay the credit cards off. But if you can avoid paying uh, those high interest rates on your credit card, you will save a lot of money. I always say a credit card is a tool, not a resource. So you use it so that you don't have to carry cash around, that you can kind of keep count of everything that you have bought that month. Everyone takes a look at their credit card bill when it comes in and you know, sees where they maybe overspent. Hopefully we do overspent or underspent or maybe could spend differently. So it's a good way to keep, keep accounts of, of your spending. But at the same time, it is a very easy way to get into a lot of debt because uh, credit cards... Uh, companies want you to stay in debt. They continue to up your limit, uh, even if you're not paying your full bill off every month, because they they make a lot of money off credit card customers. So if you are struggling, there are options. Definitely speak to a financial advisor, maybe even a, a financial planner that can help you just manage your money a little bit more. We have a fantastic show uh, coming up. We're going to be speaking to somebody later in the show about uh, International Women's Day and Women's History Month. This is Women's History Month. We're going to be focusing a lot on stories when it comes to women and their finance and the workplace. We'll be speaking to somebody about what we can do to improve women's financial literacy as we celebrate Women's History Month. And as well, we'll be speaking to Craig Lord, our very own national money reporter with Global News, about a brand new newsletter that hopes to help new home buyers navigate the process that they're going through. I know it's a very difficult process to go through, and we will be talking to him about how he hopes to help uh, Canadians, uh, young people, uh, get through that time that can be very overwhelming. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be speaking to Craig Lord. I'm Rubina Ahmad-Huck, and this is For What It's Worth. You're listening to For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Hawk.
Anyone who's bought their first home knows that it is a very complicated experience with a lot of different people and a lot of moving parts. And for those individuals who are shopping for their first home, there is a resource now available that helps them navigate the process. It's called Homeschool, and it's produced by Craig Lord. He is Global News' national money journalist, and he joins me now. Hi, Craig. Hi, Rubina. So tell me, what is Homeschool all about? What can people expect to get from it? Yeah, homeschool is uh, it's pretty educational, as the title might suggest. And it's it's really intended for people who have always wanted to maybe own a home or curious about it, but never really knew the steps that you have to take what actually goes into buying a home. You know, this was something that I myself went through just last year, I bought my first home last year. But really, even though I'm a journalist who covers the housing market every single day, I don't know the steps that it really took until that I was until I was going through it myself. So really, this is supposed to be a guide that people can turn to hopefully every step of the way that they can say, okay, what do I need to do at this point? What do I have to do before I get a mortgage before I make a bid on a home? Really homeschool is supposed to be this this educational resource you can always turn to every step of the process and know, okay, what should I be doing now? Because not a lot of people learn this stuff in the classroom. And the process, as you said, is very confusing. Myself, I think back to when I bought my first home, I was surprised by the paperwork and the number of uh, experts, uh, lawyers, real estate agents, accountants, other people that need to get involved with the process with you uh, in order to make that home purchase happen. Uh, Inspectors, other people that you didn't think about when you're just looking for a house and thinking, well, I'm just going to go in and purchase this house. But the the environment has changed so much uh, in Canada when it comes to real estate because of interest rates. Um, Are there things that are specific to this time that you're hoping uh, the, the readers of this newsletter are going to to get out of it so that it really does speak to the kind of environment we're in today? Yeah, when you talk about today's scenario, affordability has to be the word that comes to mind. Today's home prices and borrowing rates being what they are, not a lot of people think that home ownership is something that they can afford at this point. But um, one of the first conversations that I had uh, about this series was with Clay Jarvis. He's the lead writer at NerdWallet Canada. And he talked to me a lot about, you know, what you have to look at, the questions you have to ask to yourself and to some financial experts to really, really determine whether homeownership is something that you can achieve. And he told me, you know, that is actually a path that is open to more people than you might think. Don't get discouraged before you've looked into it and given yourself a chance. Talk to a realtor talk to a mortgage broker, talk to your bank's mortgage advisor and get a lay of the land so that you can see the paths to homeownership that are available to you. Don't think about the ones that are already closed. Go out there and find the ones that are open because they probably exist. They might be very narrow, but they're probably there. So the first installment of our homeschool series is going to help to answer those questions that that, that Clay really posed in, in that clip there. Really, you know, what do you have to be, what are your save, what do your savings have to look like before homeownership can be realistic? What does your income have to look like? And, you know, there are the, the non-tangible, the non-financial questions you have to ask as well. Is your life situation ready for homeownership? Do you, you know, are you looking for a partner? Are you in a family already? 
are you do you have a kid on the way because that's going to mean you know maybe you need an extra bedroom in in your plans so those kinds of questions not just the financial ones but the the lifestyle scenarios we have to answer those as well in homeschool because they're they're integral to that question yeah and the maintenance once you get it become a homeowner uh you really have to be prepared to at any point I always say that home ownership is a liability. At any point, that home can cost you thousands of dollars because something breaks down. Is there misconceptions that uh, new home buyers have uh, about the home ownership, not just the process of getting the home, but then actually owning it uh, that you're hoping to, to help them with? Again, I can speak to that myself. I just bought a brand new furnace for my home. <laughs> so these these are the questions because a lot of people think home ownership, okay, it's the monthly mortgage payment and that upfront purchase price. How much did I buy my home for? It's not that. There are monthly costs that pile up for everyone and the importance of having uh, having enough money to, to put away for an emergency fund for those regular things like when your roof needs to be replaced or something expensive like a furnace. We're going to go through all the things that you need to know. What are the costs going to come up? What what are the costs uh, that you can expect to come up? And how can you tackle them so that it is affordable? How can you make sure that your furnace guy is someone that you trust? Uh, you know, that you're, you're, you're dealing with a professional that you know, is a bit more reputable uh, or, or you're maybe getting the wool pulled over your eyes. Those are the the really important things we are going to go through with the homeschool series uh, every month on, on globalnews.ca. You know, as a personal finance journalist, I always say nostalgia is a very uh, uh, dangerous way to look at the real estate market. Like you can't uh, look at your parents and say, well, they were able to afford a home in uh, the suburbs uh, on one salary. Why can't I? Why can't I follow in the same path of my parents? Um, but sometimes I think we look back and we forget the anxieties that we all faced as first-time homebuyers. But uh, it seems to me that young people are very stressed about getting into the real estate market more so than they've ever been. Do you think it is because we're in it right now or because it is uh, legitimately a more stressful time to buy a home than, than it ever was before? I, th I think to a certain degree, you know, a lot of people say real estate is Canadians' favorite pastimes. It's, it's real estate and hockey for for a lot of our readers on globalnews.ca, but uh, it's 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 a really difficult time. That the stress, what goes into buying a home, I think a lot of people will tell you has never been higher. It used to be that you could buy your home, you know, in your your first job right out of school. Today, the requirements are more. Um, we, it's it's more difficult to become that first time home buyer for a lot of people. And and you know, homeschool our first installment is going to be pretty blunt about that. Maybe maybe after going through the whole process of am I ready to buy a home? Maybe the answer is no. There are ways to build your wealth outside the housing market that, that you can look at as well. And we're going to be transparent about that. Homeownership might not be right for you, but homeschool is going to hopefully help to answer that question for today's today's youth who are, who are really confused about you know whether homeownership is right for them. And today, people have so much access to information. They can find out homes that were sold in any neighborhood across Canada, but going back to 2003, simply by downloading a number of different apps that have access to that data. Has that been helpful for first-time homebuyers, or has that hindered them, where they, again, look back and say, well, this home sold for that much th at this time, and they don't have the added uh, bonus of a real estate agent really putting into context the kind of numbers that they are looking at and why they might have fluctuated over the years. 
Yeah, that's one of the one of the well blessings and curses of our digital environment, right? You you have a lot more access to the data uh, of your neighborhood. Um, but one of the things that uh, that Clay Jarvis w- was talking to me about is that you know a lot of people see the, the that average home price and they get really overwhelmed by it. But some of the things to consider is that the average home price is just that an average. So everything feeding into that is going to be a lot of home prices lower than that figure that you're seeing um you you might have to make some sacrifices about where you're buying but when we look at a a national average for canada vancouver and toronto are really pulling up those those average prices so if you look in you're maybe you're living uh, in a city uh, outside of those those major metropolises uh or in a neighborhood that's not quite near the center of, of whatever your city in there, there are more affordable options, and and the the data is out there that you can make use of. You can you can find something that's more in your budget, um, and 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 hopefully find something that's right for your lifestyle, you know, right for the sacrifices that you're willing or not willing to make. So the the op- the data is out there. It's it's definitely a blessing, but it can definitely lead to to some over comparisons or or just feeling overwhelmed. And that's one of the things with the series we're really hoping to cut down on and cut through. So anyone listening, uh, you will be on, Craig, with me uh, talking about homeschool regularly. Uh, but if anybody wants to read about uh, homeschool and, and what you're and, and, and the, the contact, the content that you're you're covering, uh, where can they find you? Yep. Uh, so every month, uh, homeschool will be uh, on globalnews.ca. If you have questions that you want to to put out, questions that you have about the process, you can email us, share your story at globalnews.ca. We'll answer those questions for you, hopefully in upcoming installments. But every month uh, on Saturdays, usually the the first or second Saturday, we will have homeschool uh, on globalnews.ca. And you can read through uh, all those intro questions about the process that uh, you might not be aware of. Thank you so much, Craig, and congrats on this. And I really look forward to our conversation uh, covering all the things that first-time homebuyers, homebuyers in general, need to know before they uh, get that first home. Exactly. I'm very excited as well. Thank you so much for having me, Rubina. That's Craig Lord. He is Global News' national money journalist, and his newsletter called Homeschool is available now on globalnews.ca. You can go and find it, read about all the things that you need to know when it comes to buying your first home. We will be speaking to Craig on a regular basis and discussing what's in his newsletter. So you can hear about it here on For What It's Worth as well. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're talking about Women's History Month. I'm Rabina Ahmad Huck, and this is For What It's Worth. You're listening to For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Hawk. It's Women's History Month and we just celebrated International Women's Day, a day where we really recognize how far women have come and how far we still need to go when it comes to things like pay equity being more financially literate, having autonomy over our personal finances. So what do we need to do to get there? What more work needs to be done? To talk about this and more, we're joined by Chantal McKenzie. She's Regional Vice President at Canada Protection Plan, a Forrester's financial company, and she joins me now. Hi, Chantal. Hi, thank you so much for having me on today. 
Yeah, thank you. And happy International Women's Day. Happy Women's History Month. I wanted to ask, start by asking you, what's the message you want to send? Someone who works uh, in the financial services industry, someone uh, who represents women uh, in, a role, uh, in, a, in, a, in a role at your company. Uh, what is the message you would like to send uh, as we celebrate International Women's Day this week? Well, certainly, certainly uh, International Women's Day is about embracing that equity and welcoming diversity and inclusion within all corners of work, society and culture. And However, one component of equity that isn't commonly talked about is that financial protection. And that's definitely where uh, I want to uh, speak to today. Yeah, absolutely. The one thing that women often don't realize is that just looking at the data, chances are that a woman will be alone in her senior years because of the fact that women live longer. And if you're in a heterosexual relationship, you and you usually marry someone a few years older. And so there's always that sort of 10-year gap where you may be on your own. Talk to me a little bit about how it's important, why it's important to learn Uh, to be financially literate now so that you can use those skills in the future when you may be very vulnerable? Well, the financial literacy can empower women by giving them the knowledge and the skills that they need to make those informed financial decisions. And when women understand the basic of personal finance, they can better manage their money and create that budget or save for emergencies or plan for those retirements or, or invest wisely even. Uh, financial literacy can also help women avoid debt and financial scams, uh, which I don't know about you, but I get those phone calls almost on a weekly basis on my cell phone and, and protect themselves against financial abuse. Um, ultimately, financial literacy can improve women's financial well-being by giving them more control over their money and enabling them uh, to achieve those financial goals. If someone's listening right now and they're thinking to themselves, you know, I'm in a relationship and I don't know uh, where how much money is in our bank account. I don't know what the bills are every month. I don't know how to pay the bills. What's something she can do today to just start to improve her financial literacy, to improve her understanding of her own personal finances? Well, certainly it's it starts with educating yourself and, and looking into some of the resources that may be available out there to be able to, to learn more about what questions to ask when you're asking for support from different individuals out there. And certainly there are a lot of resources and tools available to, to help women improve the, their financial literacy as they're doing all, all of this. And some of those tools available to help women improve their financial literacy would include things like the government free financial literacy resources, uh, such as the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada website. Uh, they have financial institutions such as the banks, of course, the credit unions that also provide uh, financial education and resources and services. And additionally, there are several online resources such as, you know, personal financial blogs and podcasts that can help women uh, learn about personal finances, such as yours, for example, uh, you know, even the newscast and listening, getting some resources to be able to connect with. 
Um, and it can also be helpful to seek out a financial advisor or a coach who can provide you personalized guidance and support. And for example, working with an advisor and, and obtaining an, a policy from Canada Protection Plan uh, or Forrester's Financial, you get resources uh, as a member because when you own a policy on yourself, you become a member and get resources from our lifelong learning um, support system that actually gives you access to over 200 courses. And some of those courses are things uh, along the lines of finance, uh, basically get smart with your money, you know, learning about things like boosting your credit score or bank tips or retirement planning uh, for every stage of life. Um, or there might be things like personal development and growth to help them in their careers. So it helps empower women um, to, to basically get uh, more information so that they can ask better questions when they are mm. in those situations where they're discussing their finances. So, so these are courses that are available for anybody who has life insurance. Explain to me how that all works. Yeah, so as a Forrester's financial member, so uh, when you purchase a Canada Protection Plan or Forrester's policy, as long as you have a $10,000 face amount, you automatically get a get to become a member. And as a member, you get access to all of these complimentary member benefits that you can access at no additional cost. Uh, so some of the things that you might uh, be able to access, for example, would be lifelong learning that I just mentioned with the 200 courses. And with these courses, uh, you get certificates. So it might be things like if you want to advance in your career, you might want to learn more about customer service or about how to be a better mentor or coach uh, or business writing or business communication or networking. So you might learn about these things and, and essentially help you advance in your career. Some of the other member benefits could be things like Law Assure, where they can mm -hmm. access a document preparation tool to make sure that they've got a will in place, perhaps to make sure that you've named a legal guardian for children under the age of 18, or perhaps uh, putting a health directive in place or uh, a power of attorney. Uh, if you don't have these things in order, you know, in your overall planning. There's things like orphan benefits or orphan scholarships, uh, where if you have a policy in force in the household and um, the let's say the policy is on a parent and, and both parents pass away and the children become orphaned, there's additional payouts that would happen on a monthly basis to a legal mm -hmm. guardian up to $900 a month per child. And this could be right. children by blood or adoption. So and these it, are things that we don't well. think about when we, yeah, these are things we don't think about when we think about a, a life insurance policy. Most of us think, well, we pay our premiums and they protect us exactly. if we get sick and we protect us, uh, they protect our loved ones or our dependents uh, when we pass away. But we don't think about the the financial literacy tools that we can access. So that's really helpful. Chantal, well, I wanted to start by asking you, uh, continue by asking you, you know, gender pay gap in, in Canada is still an issue. And that is one of the, the, the roadblocks for women to save for things like their retirement or even afford an insurance policy because they don't make as much money as their male counterparts and they're more likely to take time away to have children. So there's always many years where they're not earning at all. 
what 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 can we do? How why are women being held back, and how can we uh, how can we close that that gender pay gap? Well, it certainly is important to actually raise the importance of financial literacy and and for them to understand, uh, you know, this this sort of stuff. Uh, but women face a number of unique financial challenges that make financial literacy particularly important for them. And for example, women tend to earn less than men over the course of their career, which can result in lower savings and retirement income. And they may also face uh, limited access to credit or higher health care costs are things that sometimes we don't think about. Uh, additionally, women are more likely than men to take time off from work to perhaps care for children or other family members, which can further impact their earning potential and retirement savings. Um, and women also tend to live longer than men, which means that they need to save more for retirement. And finally, women are more likely than men to experience financial abuse or exploitation, which highlights the importance of financial literacy um, as a means of protecting themselves. Uh, without a uh, a basic understanding of personal finance, women may be more likely to fall into debt or miss out on opportunities to actually save and invest and make poor financial decisions. Uh, and that may be a higher risk there. And this can result in lower retirement income or reduced economic independence mm -hmm. uh, and a greater likelihood of financial insecurity. Additionally, women who lack mm. financial literacy may be more vulnerable to financial abuse and exploitation. And during the pandemic, uh, one thing that really uh, I was uh, amazed by is uh, the way that I describe it is that there's been a lot of smoke and mirrors when it comes to how far women have come when it comes to financial literacy, how gender roles have changed. As soon as things, uh, as soon as things shut down and 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 families were forced to stay home, it, in many cases, women were the one that were looked at to say, okay, well, the childcare falls on you. You're the one that's going to leave your job so that you can be home with the children because there's, you know, the, the, both of us can't be working and be, you know, helping our kids with online school. And that, the, and it's not, it's not my opinion. It's the facts. I mean, women fell out of the the workforce mm -hmm. at a greater rate than uh, than men did uh, during the first year of the pandemic. Um, what do, what have we learned from that? What have we learned from that situation and how uh, women's uh, what women's situation is right now uh, after the pandemic when it comes to our finances? Well, when it comes to the pandemic, um, it has been a major eye opener for women when it comes to their financial protection, and we've seen a heightened focus on how to become more confident and better equipped to handle the financial savings and investments. So for female, for example, for female business owners in particular, the threat of the pandemic, both on a personal and a professional perspective, um, has shaken up traditional understandings of financial planning and, and, and driven a renewed interest in exploring the tools that are available to protect protect against, you know, uncertainty. Uh, interest in life insurance has certainly ex experienced an uptick from entrepreneurs, uh, many of whom have come to realize that such benefits are usually covered by employers. 
um, while the realization may have been born out of the pandemic as a necessity, this rethink of financial well-being uh, has been largely a positive one. So we're seeing mm -hmm. more females motivated to take control of their finances and their businesses and, and most importantly, themselves. And, and this committed and disciplined approach is, is about giving other female entrepreneurs a, a model to emulate and paving mm -hmm. the way for others to actually follow. Chantel, thank you so much for joining us today and for talking to us about a financial literacy, what more needs to be done to help women, uh, what we can think about during Women's History Month, uh, not just this month, but for the entire year of how we can continue exactly. to elevate uh, women when it comes to how they manage their finances. Absolutely. Thank you so much. That was Chantal McKenzie. She's Regional Vice President at Canada Protection Plan, a Forrester's financial company, talking to me about what more can be done to help women and their financial literacy. This is Women's History Month. We will be talking to and covering stories that highlight successes and what we still need to do when it comes to women and finance, when it comes to women and the workplace, and definitely looking at uh, what more can be done to close the gender pay gap, because that is still a major barrier. We are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I'm going to talk about a really unique way that one cruise company is marketing themselves to workers. I'm Ruby Namadhak, and this is For What It's Worth. From understanding a global economic crisis to crunching the numbers at the grocery till, you're listening to For What It's Worth with Robina Ahmed Hawk. The best things in life are free, but you can give them to the birds and bees. I want money. That brings us to the end of our show today. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you got something out of it and that you learned something that you can take away from this one hour and actually put it to use in your everyday life. That's the goal of For What It's Worth is that we give you practical tips that you can use in your everyday life that is going to improve your financial wellness. I really enjoyed speaking to Chantal McKenzie, the Regional Vice President at Canada Protection Plan, about how we can help women improve their financial literacy. Uh, there are still a lot of barriers that women face when it comes to being financially independent. That includes pay equity. It is still an issue in this country. Women do not make the same as men in the same jobs. And also women are more likely to take time away to have children. And those are years where they are not earning. So what can we do to close that gap and not have those years where they're away raising children affect their ability to make money when they return to work, affect their ability to get promotion. And so that's something to focus on as we celebrate Women's History Month. And we definitely will be focused on more stories about women and personal finance as we uh, move through the month of March and celebrate more and more women and the achievements and the work that needs to be done to make uh, lives easier for women when it comes to their personal finances. Craig Lord has an amazing newsletter out he is Global News' national money journalist. It's called Homeschool, and the newsletter will tackle all the issues that Gen Z and millennials especially face trying to break into the housing market. We know that the situation has changed dramatically in the last two years when it comes to interest rates and home prices, and it already is a complicated process buying a home. If you bought a home even 30 years ago, if you think back, it was not an easy time. All the different people that are involved, lawyers, home inspectors, 
your real estate agent, the negotiation process, making sure that everything that the home seller is telling you is exactly what you're getting, how to check those um, how to check to make sure that there is no problem with your home before you buy it that may cost you thousands of dollars down the road. Because a home, as much as, it is, as people see it as an asset, I often say it's a liability. It's something at any point can cost you thousands of dollars. So it's not just about buying that first home. It's about being prepared to maintain that home for the long term and also being uh, having an emergency fund uh, for those unexpected expenses that may come up. I wanted to end the show on a story that I read earlier this week uh, about a cruise company that's really taking uh, a, a new direction on the kind of cruise they are offering. They are offering for $30,000 US a year for people to work from home, I guess work from boat, uh, on their cruise liner. So they've converted the casino in the middle into office space. They've converted the cabins to be a bit more spacious so you can actually live there for a year. And what they're saying is that now in our new normal, you can work from anywhere. So why not work from a cruise ship? I don't know if I would really want to be on a cruise for an entire year. I think the idea of doing it maybe for a few weeks sounds great, but a year may be too much. I think it's like anything. You just get too much of a good thing and it doesn't feel good anymore, but it is a really interesting concept. And according to this cruise liner, they have had an overwhelming response of people who want to take them up on this offer. Now I did the math. It's $30,000 US. So that works out to more than $41,000 Canadian. And per month, that's $3,450. Maybe for a couple that makes their high salary, that might be worth it because that's what you might pay in a big city like Toronto or Vancouver, Calgary, Montreal, other parts of the country. You may pay those higher rents. And so you could say, well, rather than me paying rent in this apartment that doesn't go anywhere, why don't I pay rent on this cruise where I can work from the cruise ship and in the evening bask in the sun and maybe it docks at some beautiful beach location so I can have kind of a mini holiday every couple of days. It does sound pretty ideal, but it's not cheap. It's pretty expensive. And they haven't gone into the details of what's exactly included. All the food, um, you know, what if you get sick? Uh, what if you need to get off that cruise in an emergency? Because things can happen. One year is a long time. Things can happen. So definitely something I think that is a byproduct of the pandemic. As we move into our new normal, companies are finding clever ways to attract different types of customers. And this definitely has been something that's got uh, my attention, gotten a lot of people's attention, because according to them, they're overwhelmed with responses uh, of individuals who want to work from cruise. So rather than work from home, work from a cruise ship. If anybody is doing this, I'd love to hear from you. You can tweet me at Rubina Ahmad Huck. I'd love to hear um, if you would even consider working from a cruise ship for a year and what that would look like for you. Uh, and they're saying that they've got great internet access. You won't have any delay in being connected to your workplace. Sounds like sounds like an ideal situation for individuals who've got that kind of um, flexibility to be away for that long. We are at the end of our show. I really want to thank all of you for listening today and uh, hopefully something in this show you take away and use it in your everyday life. Here's my tip for today. If you, uh, this is for women, uh, if you're finding that you want to be more financially literate, you want to have more control over your household finances, start paying the monthly bills. When I say start paying it, it doesn't mean, I mean, the situation you have with your partner, it's not about who pays it, but 
actually start doing the practice of knowing how to pay the bills, knowing where the bills, you know, when the bills are due. These things are really going to help you if you ever had to do it on your own, because those are things that if you don't practice it and all of a sudden you're faced with doing it, it can feel really overwhelming. I want to thank James Petrovic and Bilal Masri, our technical producers. I want to thank you for listening. I'm Rabina Ahmed Haq, and this is For What It's Worth.